actually, uh, do you guys know T or uh, oh, yeah. Ricky Rawls Ricky on Rawls, Twitter? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's like a great dude and i actually like know him a little bit in real life and he also he's another one he also has a really good podcast yeah champagne and, uh, sharks it's really good champagne, yeah yeah champagne sharks exactly and those this is like the cluster like struggle session champagne cl- uh, sharks district sentinel and dead pundit society there's a couple of other uh ben dixon show whatever but i like we ben were dixon. Just, yeah ben dixon's a really good dude um and we were talking about uh the this like these articles that actually come out like they come out like every year actually because he traced them for an episode but they're always like a you know piece for like buzzfeed or exo jane or something of like this is why i'm finally not gonna like date white guys anymore mm. and and i remember when i first read the piece I, I i when i first saw an article like that i actually thought it would be really interesting because i was like you know this is gonna this will probably be a story that could be actually really depressing of like two people are in a relationship and like a year in, you know, some sort of like really noxious mm-hmm. kind of subtle, uh, dangerous, but very unmistakable racism emerged in that context. Right. But what's funny is that all of these articles start like out of the gate. Like I was always suspicious of why he put my ringtone to Sir Mix-a-Lot. But he's a really nice guy. Like they all start like you're dating a fucking asshole. The, dude, he's a bad I, person. Yeah, but that's what Exo was for. A flag in his closet. No, that's what Exo Jane was for. Exo Jane was a website that existed for like women who like wanted to do awful shit, so they could then write about doing awful shit. Like it happened to me. I dated a white supremacist. It's like it's like Vice reporters, but with 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 more relationships. Sex. Yeah, it's like every there's so many fucking horror stories there. Like I dated my dad, who, <laughs> who happened to be a horse. It was like getting to Jerry yeah. Springer levels by the time all those. Like I've noticed that that sort of like uh, overexposure think piece has kind of gone away in the last couple of years. Kind of been replaced. Yeah, uh, I think yes. a lot of those sites went out of business. Like Exo Jane's gone. Yeah, uh, I think. Uh, what was it called? Thought Catalog is basically a corpse. Oh, yeah. I don't even remember. Uh, I don't even remember that one. I just know there was a new one that came out that they were actually critiquing because the one of the lines that caught him was actually like she cataloged all this stuff, like the guy calling her like the N word while they're having sex and stuff, and then she and then she actually wrote. And he still was like better than any black men I've ever dated, and oh. so we're kind of like doing a. What so what we actually the idea was was like I want to do I do like a so a so so Trump, but it's like passable. And the idea was to like read these woke articles in a Trump voice, and then you'd actually get <laughs> how fucking reactionary and dang, like like if you just say, but I will tell you, he still is better than any black guy ever dated. <laughs> Like that, I can tell you. Like, oh, so many people, like, read, like, kind of, like, like young, like, dorky, fucking lame dudes. Like, were like, I want to know how women think, so I'm going to, like, read Jezebel. And then they see, like, fuck all white men, die forever, male tears mug for sale. And they're like, ah, Heil Hitler, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so fucking bizarre to me. I think it's, like, when... But I also wonder if it's, like, a generate Like, I... Wonder if it's like there's a certain type of like young person where it's like mainstream internet is all they know. Like they don't watch TV. They just like read Reddit all day. And like there's probably so many of those type of people that are just like so easy to influence through like just like the nature of those like hive aggregate sites. Like yeah. it's just like creating Nazis through Rotten Tomatoes algorithms. That's why we started our show <laughs> so we can uh, get some of that energy and, and we can corrupt their minds. We could probably set up a service where like – freaked out like liberal moms can hire us if their kids are starting to like walk around with like pepe frogs and like <laughs> we'll deprogram them they'll just end up communists yeah <laughs> like, here instead put on this they live sticker <laughs> well yeah i mean that's what's kind of weird about right now right is is it's sort of i i think that like there's so much there but one thing is that it's like it's only like the really good people and the really evil people that understand what's happening you know, yeah. there's this whole sort of like middle cluster of people that, you know, and and that, I think that is why like the kind of hashtag resistance thing is also so annoying because it's like you're simultaneously could not be more freaked out and unhinged, but then at the same time, like kind of fundamentally unserious. 
about actually addressing right. it. So, you know, like – You mean the cast of Star Trek Discovery taking a knee didn't <laughs> profoundly <laughs> – profoundly move you uh yeah no i mean i'm i'm totally but you know again i'm a bernie bro so like the fact that i don't substitute star trek fantasies for politics is very evocative of my sort of like arrogant heteronormative privilege but i I think that you know no i it was funny like I, i actually wrote a piece with uh with a friend of mine actually one of my producers a couple months ago in baffler and it was about like some of the history of like Basically, in apartheid South Africa, there was an official opposition party, right? There was a party that was in South Africa's parliament that sort of nominally opposed apartheid. And actually, they did some relatively valuable things in the context of that situation, like, you know, make sure, help facilitate some of the negotiations, do some work to protect, you know, prisoners like Mandela when they were in Robben Islands. Um, But fundamentally, like, you know, they were white only because that's the only way you could be in parliament. They endorsed the, you know, South African foreign policy of supporting like, you know, hideous right wing guerrilla movements across Africa and everything else. And, and if you ask anybody today, like what led to the defeat of apartheid, obviously you talk about figures from like the African national Congress and which is a revolutionary movement. And I, what we're kind of trying to say is like, you know, look like resistance people, like if, if Trump is, and I, you know, I never called him Hitler. I think that that is really a lot, but in some ways like apartheid actually, like, especially if you look at the links of the apartheid and Jim Crow South, like there's some validity in that comparison. You have a white supremacist kind of like oligarch government basically. And then it's like, well, if these guys are so bad, what brought these guys down? It wasn't like, a you know, people in parliament going rather, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like so you got to follow your logic a little bit to use their right. favorite if, I remember, if, I, if, if I remember correctly it was uh george takei that took down apartheid right <laughs> top 10 reasons why pw batha was totally eviscerated that'd be great like, so there's like there's like revolutionary movements just told like the time that oliver tombo totally owed this apartheid official in it's just like instead of like doing guerrilla training they're just like you sir do not understand your own constitution and then they're just like oh my god you're right i, I i'm gonna write a political here's the government yeah let's guerrilla <laughs> Less guerrilla, less guerrilla uh, militants, and more uh, Pajiba articles. Yeah, exactly. Watch this. Watch this. Franco's face while he is owned by this republic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Welcome to struggle session. Uh, oh shit! Yeah, welcome uh, to struggle session. <laughs> I'm your host, Leslie the Third. Uh, I'm Jack Allison, another of the hosts over here. Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan Daniel Brown. Uh, and we're joined today by the uh, very funny Michael Brooks. Thanks for uh, for being here, Michael. Thanks a lot, guys. I'm sorry. I thought we were already rolling. <laughs> oh, we were rolling. We, we, were. we just didn't do the intro. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to get about a, a full 50 minutes in before uh, introing the show. Uh, but thanks for coming on. Yeah, uh, uh, you're very funny, like man. a rap track. It was just like, we, we, we're about to go in. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have a new one? Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, you, I, I even introdu- interrupted you uh, introducing me for God's sake. Go ahead, man. <laughs> I was just saying uh, thank you for coming on the show. I mean, you're you're a very funny man uh, uh, with uh, a, a much uh, smarter and more successful leftist podcast than ours. Uh, uh, so we're very honored to have you here. I'm honored to be here, guys. I really I, – I honestly, as I say, I've been like kind of checking out a lot of new shows and I found some really good ones. I thought you guys were really funny. So the Arthur, the Arthur Chu episode, I really enjoy. <laughs> uh, I've never interacted with Arthur Chu, but I'm blocked by him on Twitter. Yeah, you don't want to interact with that. So that's a good way to get uh, ants all over your skin. I essentially, I essentially, the image that you painted of him like eating a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken 
while sitting like <laughs> in a toilet and tweeting at somebody like, that's why you're promoting rape culture. And then his wife being like, honey, can you come in? And him be like, get the fuck away from me. I'm sitting in the world safe for feminism, you bitch. That was, that was, that was very evocative. That was very evocative. But that's what, that's what so many of these fucking type of dudes are yeah. like. Yeah. Like so many of the type of dudes who are just online screaming about like leftist misogyny right. are like, you know, basically st- the same people right. who, who are I ignoring mean, their in, in their many ways, ones. like all these guys and all of us aren't that different from Trump. We're just big fat sacks of <laughs> shit tweeting while sitting on the toilet. <laughs> Elvis, that's how Elvis died. At least, at least Trump does stuff, you know. At least he's yeah. a man of action. Yeah, <laughs> he's out there throwing yeah, paper he's out towels. There. He's like, oh look, oh look, you're an eight point five tampon for you. <laughs> 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 Michael, um, you're the host of the Michael Brooks show, but people yes. are familiar with you from um, the majority report with Sam Cedar. I was a right. listener of the show for a, a long time, and you're kind. Of, so um, we were talking a little bit earlier about how you know the majority report came out of uh, Air America, which was kind of like an old liberal attempt to create, you know, kind of create a mirror image of the conservative energy on the right on radio. Al Franken, Janine Garofalo, Jerry Springer. <laughs> Jerry Springer, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Apparently there was also some guy named Lionel that I never I, I I don't really know who he is, but there was there was a lot of bizarre characters uh that there were there was some real talent and then there was also like interesting choices like uh Chuck D is Chuck D, but I don't know if he's like a talk show host. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> It had a good run, though. It lasted through most of the Bush administration. But I feel like it never really caught on as much as, you know, we hoped it would. But after, you know, that went away for a while, you got uh, the majority of them moved to a podcast format and it did really well for a few years. And now, like, the left podcast scene is kind of blowing up and there's all these shows popping up, like Chapo Trap House, your show, um, Discourse Collective, all uh, Delete Your Account, all this other stuff going on. So as someone who's kind of seen, like, you know that transition happened like what are your thoughts like why is it uh, taking off well i'm not I, I should you know it should be clear that i was definitely not i had no involvement whatsoever you know at air america or anything i i started working for i started yeah, we were we were yeah. trying to do this we were trying to crunch the numbers on your age because we were like air america is really <laughs> no, like, i don't I'm think you're that old no. like <laughs> You're, you're not you're not curious <laughs> with Al Franken. You know what? If, if, let me tell you something. If I that would that would mean like I take pretty good care of my health, but that will be extraordinary <laughs> if I can pull something like that off. Uh, no, I mean I started working for Sam in uh, I think 2012, and um, and I came on as a producer, and then my role really just started to kind of shift into basically kind of a hybrid role and then basically you know more of like you know i i host the show about once a week and then mainly sort of still do some producing and then a kind of primary on-air contributor role um but i mean i've obviously learned a lot just even from talking with him about Mm -hmm. those different phases and i also have my own sort of perception about basically the majority report specifically and then those two different kind of media contexts but you know I think, and I would assume. I mean, I'm I'm guessing if we're all probably like early 30s, late 20s, probably. So, so when yeah. we yeah yeah, yeah nice. So we were on. So when when Air America was starting, like that was like around the time like people like us were you know starting college or or in college or whatever, and and I think it was it was very different because. You know, there was clearly the sense back then that everybody from like there was a moment around 2004 election where it really did feel like everybody from like, you know, Noam Chomsky to like the most fucking mediocre Democratic congressperson was just in some type of weird united front to beat Bush. And that was the kind of thing. And, yeah. and yeah. all of these other I mean, first of all, you know, there wasn't any real 
kind of left politics on the table at all. And even short of that, there was a willingness to like, you know, be forgiving of people voting for invading Iraq as an example. So I think that, you know, Air America, which, and again, I, I shouldn't, because I, I just literally didn't listen to that much of it, if I'm being honest. But I was definitely, you know, reading blogs and listening to some stuff. And it did feel like there was this real united front energy. <clears throat> and then there was, if there was any kind of like, uh, some bit of radicalism. I actually feel like back then the stuff that I read that was a little bit more robust actually ironically had to do more with like uh foreign policy stuff, which sure, I feel like I was mean, taken taken up yeah. Well no, I was just gonna <clears throat> say the Democrats during Bush were certainly much more left than they are today. I mean radically that, that's, so. That's what uh being in powerful eight, for eight years will do to you. <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent. Like I actually think Democrats today, and some like I, I think that that's true and not true at the same time. And I also think that, like for what it's worth, maybe they campaigned radically, but of course, like when they actually got Congress back in 2006, they that's were they, didn't do jack they, they weren't going to do anything, and they were certainly were not going to have any type of sped up withdrawal or anything. So I think, but what I think that, um, you know, definitely. By the time I started a majority report, and this was at, and this is kind of like speeding ahead, and this is definitely, I hope that Sam doesn't listen to this because this is to Sam's credit, and I don't, <laughs> I don't like to, you know, uh, get, <laughs> him to hear me. Sam, skip credit. ahead. You don't need to hear yeah. this kind of shit. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, but I think that there was obviously with the election of Obama as another kind of like touch point. There was, you know, I think two things happened. I think you realized that like. You know, just because we all hated Bush does not mean that we thought the same way about Wall Street or right. income inequality or power or whatever. So natural divisions emerged. And then there was another segment of people that obviously revealed themselves to just basically be like, you know, drones for me, but not for thee. Or, you know, like yeah. if Bush mm. does it, it's horrible. If Obama does it, it's cool. Basically. It's all good. And, and I think that, you know, and so Sam definitely, he was just on the through line with the show that like, this is a genuine, you know, progressive, you know, in, in, in that actual sense, uh, pro, you know, show. And I care about, I, I am adamantly opposed to cutting Medicare, Social Security. I'm going to try to do as much content to push for things like getting things on the table, like single payer, which back then were totally not on the table as possible. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, but also actually uh, have a pulse and a sense of what's happening inside Washington in the legislative process. So in some ways, I think majority is a very effective show because it kind of is, it's a show that like, the people on MSNBC that haven't completely lost their minds could still like and do like, and then like, you know, Chapo guys like it, uh, right, like yeah. it has credit, it has credibility kind of across that continuum. Uh, and I think that the way that that happened was that, and I could speak to this when I got there, we were definitely and uh, very ahead of the curb on, on income inequality. Mm -hmm. uh, and wealth disparity and really starting to look at politics in a very class-based way. I mean, my politics are, you know, definitely some version of socialist and they, on some ways, even at my most moderate always have been. So that's, that, that's a major orientation for how I look at the world. Um, and, but when I, in 2012, 2013, that was still a, that was a marginal view. And then in 2014, Obama kind of started talking about it, but in a very like, you know, we got to, we got to help people, uh, get tax credits to, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, that type of thing. And yeah, so, the, so I think that, that, but then I think the, the only other thing to touch on now that is different is it seems like in a good way, there's so much more vibrancy and debate and opportunity for serious differentiation because it's not like everybody's goal to just go like an MSNBC gig. So there's a lot more intellectual variety. There's a lot more willingness to be like, you know, Hey, maybe I am really passionate about, 
you know, like uh, delivering everybody healthcare and housing. But I think like Bill Burr is funny, <laughs> which is the sort of like inverse <laughs> of liberal politics of the past couple of years. Like, you know, hey, homelessness is complicated, but uh, you used the wrong gender <laughs> pronoun once. So well, that's that's part of what the show. Uh, yeah, you should be exiled. Of, yeah, that's what you guys are talking about. It's and a then big I part think, of what our show is yeah. about is like, you know, yeah. dealing with the fact that like there are – things that we enjoy that are maybe not ideologically oriented to us. And like, so just cause it has like the wrong theme or message doesn't mean you can't take what you like out of it and like toss out the shit you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Cause otherwise you'll lose your fucking mind. And you also are just not appealing to like (laughs) anybody. I, I, you're right. Like I, I had nobody. I mean, do you know who, uh, yeah, I was watching her her stuff on your show. Like she's really good. Yeah. Yeah, she's fucking brilliant. I had her on my show the other night. And, like, this is somebody who, you know, just just to kind of, like, you know, really, like, she doesn't have the luxury that, you know, like, a you know, straight white guys do or whatever, as an example, like, which people could easily flip that kind of statement back on, uh, on us. But, you know, one of the things that she was saying that was just so smart was, like, the reality is that, like, if you're out in any kind of public sphere – you have to think about how like, you know, a broader base of people is going to perceive you. And, and I'm not, it's not, and she wasn't saying it's it like optics, unfortunately. it's yeah. Optics kind of matters. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think you're, and it's also is, especially the type of thing you guys are talking about. It's genuinely off putting independently yeah. of optics. It's fucking sucks. There are two billboards in my neighborhood that drive me crazy. One says, Respect diversity in huge font, and then at the bottom, and it's the logo LRG jeans. And then you drive, <laughs> right. you drive down the block, and there's another billboard that says like, like tolerance, to- like tolerance is required, like uh, end racism. LRG jeans. Like when you tie this shit to fucking brands, you are diluting its message. And people who don't like your fucking jeans are now going, well, I don't like jeans, so. I guess I don't like Jews. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also ugly just to even try to monetize these. I mean, yeah, like, to... but there's so many fucking billboards and so many. It it, it when it becomes like a, when you mix capital with with, I mean, DeRay McKesson is like the one guy who drives me fucking nuts yeah. because because he's what so he does. Boring. Well, he's boring, <laughs> and he, but he's like he's in he's like. A t- he's an ad for Twitter and for charter schools, right? Like right. rolled into a guy with like Doritos thrown in, and then like I'm not convinced. I I I, I think he might be like a robot made by Twitter that was sent out. He to could like, be AI. He might be an AI that was sent out to periscope himself at places and be photographed <laughs> with Jack Dorsey. <laughs> This stone actually was. <laughs> Yo, this stone got a lot that's, of. Uh, that's really good. <laughs> this one got ratioed yeah. over 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 the the Trump account freakouts. Yeah, all these people are yelling at him to delete Trump's account, and he's like, "It weighs uh, on me too." Biz, yeah. <laughs> oh mean, yeah, Biz. Yeah, the w- oh Biz, who is still that motherfucker, still hasn't even given me a blue check mark yet. So, yeah. Uh, the best part about getting a blue check mark is telling other blue check marks they're fucking morons. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, the funny that's, thing is- that's like literally, it's like the same reason you go to Harvard. It's like, it's yeah. Just yeah. like I, I think the yeah. blue check mark is a bad thing now. I'm all about like ripping on people for their blue check mark these days. Like, I desperately don't want one. I may, in fact, I'm, re- I'm ready to make the pronouncement right here on the podcast. If I ever get the blue check mark, I'm deleting my account and starting a new one. I don't want the fucking check. You mark. have to it's apply for thing. it now. I don't want it. It makes you look like a loser. And also, like the the saddest thing I ever see is so. Okay, if you go on to apply for the for the blue check mark, there's all these like requirements yeah. that you're supposed to like do. Like you have to put in your birthday and like have a website and all this shit. So whenever you look at people's Twitter profiles, if they have the birthday, if they have the website, and they don't have the check mark, <laughs> that means they they got denied. Oh. Like there's the you can you can look at people's profiles for the telltale signs of a check mark denial. You can tell that she had. <laughs> I'm sorry, that that just bring. Who's putting their birthday? Doesn't that their just birthday like on there if, they, if you're not? Doesn't just, that just make you mark. want to do the Trump voice though? It's just like I saw the, I saw the, <laughs> and I will tell you they had their birthday, no check mark. That was that was tough. That was tough stuff. I think there's, I think that that's really interesting because I, I, I actually, I think you're kind of right about that, and I think that there's a lot of things right now. 
Like I, I was talking with um, this woman recently uh, who was like totally her whole world is like her whole world is like yeah. these very it's it's kind of just moving in between these like extremely elite institutions and affiliations. And what I noticed and what I was and what was funny was like there was time where a couple years ago or maybe even a year ago. I mean, I think that there would be a broader public perception that even if people resented those places or didn't trust them or had a problem with them, there was still like a basic, like, ah, I wish I was there. Or even if I loathe it, I kind of got to admit that X or, you know, or that, you know, Right. Like there's yes. a feeling about Harvard yeah, that it's I, like, oh, well, like we hate Harvard, but they do, they do no, turn and, out the best have, people and, and or so whatever. Me, like I, I didn't go to uh, an Ivy league school, but I've, I've been, you know, I did go to like a, like a quote of like, like a nice liberal arts one. And I've been around a lot of people gone to Ivy league schools. And so for any, if you get any ex- sustained exposure to those people, you can really easily like let go of the idea that it's the best and brightest. But I think, yeah. Right. I mean, I, yeah. I've, I've spent time around people because I in comedy writing, you you do run up against people that are uh, from right. Harvard quite often. Uh, uh, and I guess I would say uh, um, that the only person I've met from Harvard, I think that most uh, look Bree Bree Joy, who you had on your show and who we had uh, uh, on our show, she went to Harvard. No, I think terrible. she's terrible. Almost yeah, she's every terrible. other person. Take that back. Once I found out she went to Harvard, <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, every other person, every, every other person we, I've met from Harvard, they're like dumb. We they're offer like Harvard options on the show, though. I, I don't we need think, absolution. Like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, in my experience, going to Harvard doesn't mean that you're a smart person. It means that you're someone who's like good at doing homework. No, I mean, like, or that, or know. or that if you're like 30 percent of the incoming class, that like you're a legacy admission. I mean, I'm not right. trying to like use it, but the point I'm making is, I'm, I mean, fucking Jared Kushner went because yeah, his father yeah, put yeah, the money exactly. in. It. Like, who cares exactly. about this dumb fucking place? Exactly, the guys, and, and people, and, and exactly that's a perfect example. I mean, I had people coming to me like a, a year ago, being like, I mean, Jared can't be that dumb. He went to Harvard. It's like, you know, but I do think, which is, which is, which I said, I said, that is interesting because that comment, that is the type of comment that would make Jared look smart because it's so fucking stupid. But, (laughs) but I think that the, but I do think that there is a, there is a shift going on right now where it's like, uh, no, uh, don't resent that or feel an inferiority complex about that complex. We're just sort of like rolling our eyes like it's it's sort of like you know you think about davos it's like okay davos matters because it's an incredibly powerful group of people meeting and they are setting certain agendas there's no like just even by like having coffee and reinforcing groupthink and also occasionally like davos will invite an interesting academic or something who will you know give a good talk that's worth checking out. But excuse, I do Excuse me Michael, yeah, uh, excuse me Michael, yeah. I feel like the majority of my listeners think you're talking about the guy from Game of Thrones, Davos. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just so, I just I think I just I just fucking blue check my mark myself right there. <laughs> 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 Davos would be like a dope setting for like a horror movie yeah. where oh, like yes. oh, yeah. like like the main character is like someone who gets like hired to do catering and ends <laughs> up like no but it is you on the menu. <laughs> it's da- no it's totally a you on the menu thing like It's a yeah, pizza gate like, like cult film. He thought that he was going to serve the world's elite and learn. But what he didn't know was that he was being served to the world's elite. <laughs> Something like that. Satan slice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like, could you imagine the last thing you see is like fucking like Tony Blair talking about like tough, <laughs> like tough interest rate policy before he like slice, slices in. <laughs> He's like, <"Good."> <laughs> <laughs> it's like if we we need to get serious about Lebanon, and he's just like fucking <laughs> like cutting your neck, you're cutting your jugular. The world's <laughs> most boring way of being murdered. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, but to get even yeah. what, what, I, what I think you're getting at there is that like you know these these institutions. Now it's which, like, like on some level, one, who cares? Like fuck. Them. 
They're fucking embarrassing. Exactly. Like that. Yeah. Like exactly. right now, when we're talking about Davos, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go to that. Exactly. Like if I got invited to one of those meetings, I'd be like, this sucks. I don't want to go. Exactly. Like I, I talk about this. Like you know, all these. Uh, because uh, I've gone to some like Hollywood things, and they're all just fucking cruises. You go to one of these things, it's like a big room. There's like shitty like little finger foods and stuff like and that. A and just like, crappy and a, rich and a bunch of crappy rich people talking That's to it. each other. It's like boring. it sucks. Exactly. They're boring things. Yeah, I, I think we owe Trump. Uh, thanks for this for exposing yeah. all these people as I mean, the I'll, fucking I'll, pieces of shit that yeah. they are because I'll none of it Manuel Miranda when I say thank you Donald Trump <laughs> <laughs> he then did say Trump was going to hell yeah but but he, he also said thank you Donald Trump <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's kind of interesting like all of these things that we grew up to like idealize and worship whether it was power in in media whether it was power in government or whether it was like power with like sex like Hugh Hefner died I went to the Playboy Mansion a couple of times it's kind of fucking lame yeah. it's like an old folks home where there's like baccarat tables and like occasionally like naked people uh, and they're of, all bored and on their phones it's I, fucking I, I, you I know you can see John Lovitz like having like a, an energy drink I guess I, I, I almost think that that's like <laughs> that is the thing literally that the most depressing thing I have heard <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even Actually, I, know, I like we we you abuse know. that phrase literally the most, but I <laughs> I am gonna say like I just read a really powerful piece actually in Current Affairs on like you have to I've never even thought about one way or another, but it kind of convinced me that he really actually was like a kind of really disgusting yeah. well, like misogynist yeah. control freak creep so and then, I mean, and look, then so you, he is liberalism in a nutshell because <laughs> because here's the, let me here's the deal with with him so i first of all i've touched him i've shaken oh. his old bony oh. hands yeah. I, uh, when i was when i did project x there was an actress who was one of his girlfriends oh who had a small part in the film and that she invited fits. me to the mansion a couple of times i actually got kicked out when like one of my friends danced with like Hefner's kids, like he had like a twenty year old kid, his girlfriend, and he just like melted down and had security boot us all out. It was, but it sucked. But like we went there a couple of that times, actually, and besides, that actually sounds fun. I guess I'm. Up. Yeah. Dude, that was it was fun. Awesome. Like, well, first of all, there's like a there's like a really I remember there's like a really nice butler named uh, Deontay, and Deontay like would like he would like hang out with us and chill with us. Like we were like in the special room, and we got to. There's like fucking weird dildos all so, over so the it's, house. It's you and Deontay in the special room with the dildos. Yeah. And like a bunch of random models walking around and then just like old people. And then like <laughs> all of these old people, we went into this like this is the first time I went. We went to this movie room and we watched Psycho. Yeah. And Hefner walks up and every he's wearing a fucking like a, a like a jailhouse outfit that yeah. says prisoner of love oh, on it. Good <laughs> and he's got like his I mean, fucking yeah, like how how sexy does the Playboy Mansion seem when you realize it's like the place where like Sumner Redstone goes to fuck? Yeah, I mean this is essentially well, wait, wait, it's wait, like, wait, I'm you know, sorry, like, did you just pause it though? Jeff Ross coming. This is the place. No, no, I, I'm I love it, but I just want to get right back to the basics. Like I'm into like let's like you Hefner was a disgusting misogynist. How could a place how could a place be hot where Sumner Redstone? All that it's great. It's important, but I was just actually stuck on. The idea of some young woman having to be in the vicinity of John Lovitz making a protein shake. <laughs> like, I'm still stuck on that. That's fucked up. The, that is oh, so man, the smell of molding grotto. So the grotto, the grotto had like fucking like outbreaks. There were like, there were like skin tags happening <laughs> on people who went there. It was yeah. not. I was going to say about Hugh Hefner that, you know, like, I guess I do have to, I have to give him credit that, like, he did create Playboy, which is, like, a monumental, important thing in publishing, and, you know, it is, thanks to him, he is the guy that created it, and he's the editor. You can make the, essays and jerking my, off and put them together. My, 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 my thing on Hugh Hefner is that I think he was, you know, he did some great things, but that it's also good that he lived to see his empire turn to shit and that the naked ladies weren't in the magazine anymore. Like, it's good that he had to see that happen before he died, because he also was a piece of he didn't, he didn't do anything. He sold. He sold the house. To yeah, but he the got company. to witness it all. He got to That's witness true. like the website become like listicles, and then he like, and then <laughs> he like Noah rotted Burlatsky to death. Burlatsky yeah, it became like it went from like Noah Burlatsky writing for yeah, him. like Sarah yeah, Benning really instead of Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> Sad. 
But I wanted to say one thing. When he died, like all my Twitter was like, he was a misogynist, big pig. I hope he rots in hell. But then my Facebook friends were like, oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> Apparently, I had a few uh, who had posed for him uh, or who I wanted to as friends. Yeah. I, I, like I, 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 some I, I didn't even know. Like one I knew because she was a professional um, wrestler back in the day, Magnificent Mimi. Actually, everybody should look her up because she was a great wrestler and a stunt woman. And she posed for a Playboy back in the day. So she was really a appreciative of him telling good stories about him and a couple other friends i didn't know say the same thing he's but, got know. a cult of personality around him i mean he was like heavily involved in like the civil rights era well, and like bringing jazz to america saw, yeah he, he probably fucking would wander around his house like remember like reminding any black staff about all the time <laughs> no but no i i no but i i, 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 I did no i actually saw dick gregory at I was probably like a half roast or some dumb shit on Comedy Central. And he did like take a minute to be like, you know, dude, you you opened the club for me. Like, thank you. I, I didn't I actually when Hefner died, I wasn't it was really a testament to this guy reading current affairs. Like I I had no opinion on it one way or another, but I do genuinely I forget his name. Uh, current this guy, current affairs, I think Nathan Robinson. I generally like him and I yeah, I read his piece on Hef and I went from like, I really don't care, you know, good luck, everybody, whatever. Oh, he did some stuff for civil rights. The whole thing seems a little goofy. Any place where like Bill Maher was like fucking like trying to like shove his fucking yeah. mug at like young women, I think has a problem. But um, but, you know, but I didn't really care. And then I read that piece by Robinson. I was just like, shit, what an asshole. Uh, yeah. Well, let's talk about some other like uh uh like truly just nice people in Hollywood. What's going on with uh Harvey Weinstein? <laughs> Harvey Weinstein's Is done, done, man. <laughs> Harvey Weinstein's he's getting Cosby. He hired he hired David Boys, Bush versus right. Gore. He hired Lisa Bloom, daughter of Gloria Allred and famous for standing next to crying women in press conferences about like horrible <laughs> men. And he hired Lanny Davis, the Clinton counselor, who uh, has overseen some pretty shady shit. And so he's got a he's got a whole team because there's going to be a New Yorker and a New York Times piece coming out that uh, talks about all the creepy things he did. The Lanny Davis, like, how the fuck does that guy work? Like, he is the most like physically presentationally like morally i mean and i'll say intellectually i mean he is the least impressed he is he is pound for pound the least impressive person i've seen in my life like and i get that he stays in the clinton orbit because they have a thing for sycophant like they have a certain like element yeah, this is the house of Peter right, Dow exactly. and David Brock. Like, they're just like, hey, I'll, I'll send an email at 3 a.m. about that. And Bill's like, all right, that's great. You can stay around. But, but, <laughs> but he actually gets contracts. Like, I, whenever he was a surrogate for Hillary Clinton in any type of television appearance, you do what you just want to, like, fucking send him an email and be like, thanks. <laughs> I support the other candidate. Like, and I. Uh, I was like, oh wait, I back. I, I thought that I was back. I was like in college and, and supporting Obama in my last year of college, and I was like, fucking Lonnie Davis on some radio show, and I was just like, this is the greatest service that I could imagine for like what I will. <laughs> Maybe he's asleep. <laughs> like angel. Lonnie Davis is actually like the greatest soldier, like against the Clintons. Yeah, for the Americans. He's just so deep in. So what do you think? Uh, is Harvey going to get through this? I think he's fucked. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, lots of people know that he's, like, a fucking weirdo who hits on, like, actresses and basically promises them shit if they, like, suck his old gross dick. <laughs> so, like, I think, like, he's fucked. And I think it's, like, one of those open secrets, like, along with a lot of, like, I mean, I think you get to a point where it's, like, you can't just, like, keep taking down, like, fucking random bloggers and YouTubers forever. You've got to climb the fucking executive yeah. chain. Like, people are, like, creeps because they're in a system where they're rewarded for being creeps right and you gotta eventually like get a fucking fish i like i like this this too because this is just another one of those you know i I think that this is part of the like ongoing 
topple toppling of the boomers. Uh, uh, I yeah. think the boomers came up at a time when it wasn't inappropriate to slip your pinky up a woman's ass. Uh, <laughs> and now, 30 years later, that that's not appropriate. Uh, they're all going to start losing their jobs for it, and maybe they'll stop filibustering and let a few young people. I mean, is it. this is this how we like? Is this how we eventually all of the millennials get their money? Is just through I know. sheer number of sexual harassment that's, complaints. That's, kinda, that's where I'm. That's where my head is at. Is like if these boomers are going to hold on to the jobs forever, then we have to start holding them accountable for the many times they grab women's asses at Christmas parties. Does like utilize? He's just like, and if you don't give up your positions, we will systematically expose. And by the time it's left, I will be the only person from that generation. <laughs> who has not sexually harassed any woman. <laughs> so I don't have the time. Um, no, I think, I, I think though, I really like that point actually about, I mean, look, obviously anybody, even, you know, in any position, if they're like abusing anybody or, and sexually harassing women, like, of course, like that's anywhere from, you know, uh, a fireball to criminal on that continuum. But I do I, – I think that it's true. It's like, okay, uh, if anything, there's more it, – it, it's more likely and there's like a healthier reason to suspect that like your average sea level guy might be – get up to some shit like that than a bus driver or a blogger or a – you know, and I, I think that that's, that that's a really important point. Like let's – like if – like – this stuff does need to be exposed. It does need to come out. And also like, I mean, at the very, at the, in the more sort of like basic sense, like people need to stop doing it because it's, you know, it's disgusting. It's criminal. Yeah. And, you know, like good, you know, if Harvey Weinstein, I mean, I, I will say this, like, I'm not obviously like, I'm not plugged into that world the same way you guys are. But the thing I will say is that if someone like me who is not, in that world, but maybe has some certain connections to it in some ways. Like I'm not totally out of it, but I'm very much not in it. And even I have heard rumors about Harvey Weinstein and there's no context for why I would. I think that really says a lot. You shouldn't even know who Harvey Weinstein is. Like nobody should even know who he is. And the fact that he's known for being like a huge piece of shit woman abuser, it's like, well, maybe it's time uh, uh, for that to come down for him.
write it and would do it much better than they are. All of this, like, like, yeah. and then it's like with Sean Penn, it's like, you know what? I, I, at least he took the genuinely unique, Hey, you know, I want to go do this banal thing and get overpaid to write about it. And the best case you can write, I went, I went on, a, I went on a guided safari tour. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and now I want, you know, and maybe like the best case scenario you can make is like, Hey, I'm exposing an issue that won't get exposed otherwise. But Sean Penn did the genuine, like, yeah, most people are not going to get like a f- personal fucking invite through like a soap actress in Mexico to meet the world's like most powerful cartel head. Fuck it. I'm going to do that shit. And if I'm being honest, I would absolutely have taken that meeting. I would hope, <laughs> hope that I would. I feel like you wouldn't have a choice. Yeah. Like, do you want to go meet El Chapo, Michael? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but they, yeah. But, they didn't, but they wouldn't have needed to give me like the fucking like silver or lead speech because I already would be like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like one of those assholes in Narcos who's just like, what can I do for the, the blind yeah. one? <laughs> what can I do for the brothers? I'm into it. I think it really speaks a lot to to what a wild ride 2016 was that Sean Penn met with El Chapo and it just doesn't rank at all. It's like the least memorable thing of the year that Sean Penn went and met with El Chapo. And also like the most reasonable. Like you're just like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Of course, elder statesman Sean Penn (laughs) met with El Chapo and then the rest of these fucking knuckleheads took the rest of the year. And then we just had to listen to these fucking morons talk about the (laughs) deficit. um, But anyways, uh, Donnie Brasco, Carlito's Way. uh, I liked Hoodlum. I mean, I liked a lot of these movies, guys. I am a a soft spot for a gangster movie. So what is well, it about the gangster movie that's like so appealing? Because like everybody loves catharsis. Godfather, right? Like like uh, catharsis. Like we, it's like almost like the American dream too, right? That's a part of it because yeah. you see these people come up from nothing, you know, get power, get money, get wealth, and then have it all taken away from them. <laughs> um, I think that's the. I think what's interesting actually, like, because I also want to just throw the Sopranos in there too, because I because obviously yeah. I you know I really love the Sopranos, but I think. I mean, still the best show of all time. It's, it is it's up just there. the best show. I mean, I still think The Shield. I mean, I love I The think Shield. The, no, but I think The Wire. But The Sopranos to me is right there. Ooh. I do. That's fighting words for oh. me. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Sorry, guys. No, but whatever. I, I can, I'll have that. Well, you know what? Know what? Throw The Wire in there for a second, too, because it's like, okay, you have all these great movies that have the American – and and all on different versions of the American dream too, right? Like, cause what's so great about like Donnie Brasco is like, it's, that's the, he's like a fucking, he might as well be working like mid-level job at like a fucking department store. Like he never gets any glory or money. Yeah. He never got like, like that is America just as much as like, you know, he made yeah. tens of millions and then it, you know, he got his brains blown out or whatever. But then in, in the Sopranos, all of a sudden it's like, well, the mafia could give you the best understanding of how like the suburbs work and what like everybody in Long Island and New Jersey is like. And then the wire, you know, urban America. And I would say Narcos, it's a little bit problematic, but Narcos is a politics show. So it's a way in which you can get these doors to all these different worlds. And then I think also be like, you don't want to be dumb because it's like obviously Tony Soprano is different from his neighbors because he'll fucking kill you. But then on the other hand, it's like Tony Soprano's neighbors are also like dicks. And like they're yeah, on yeah. that continuum. And, you know, I, I, I actually think it does yeah. speak to sort of our like national ethos or something that these gangster movies are some of the like most popular movies of the era. You know what I mean? Like, and I, and I think that that is because it's like, you know, there is something reflective about like capitalism and its hold on our lives uh, uh, that is reflected in these gangster well, movies. It's, yeah, I mean, you know, it's built into us to you know, uh, growing up in this country, to be competitive with other people and to like fight for you know what's yours above everybody else. And all of these gangster movies are just taking that to like the natural endpoint. Right. Which I was is, you thinking, know, kill people, get cash. Well, I was thinking about Goodfellas and the ending of Goodfellas and how it parallels uh, the Wolf of Wall Street because they're basically the same movie. They both have "fuck you, pay right. me." 
They both have the same sort of narrative yeah. arc. But at the end, Jordan Belfort is making a shitload of money doing speaking gigs yeah. after like two months in Club Fed. And Ray Liotta is trapped in suburban hell yeah. in the middle of nowhere after getting busted for like a shitload of coke. It's like not even comparable the punishment these guys have. And really, you could even argue that... Yeah, I don't know. Jordan Belfort probably hurt way more people. I mean, I don't know. Ray Liotta <laughs> shot a bunch of guys. <laughs> well, no. He chopped up people that Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro shot. <laughs> oh, really? He didn't even do anything did, bad. Did you guys ever hear the actual Henry Hill when he was on Howard Stern? No. Oh, my God. That sounds amazing. That's a fucking mess, man. It would be. I mean, <laughs> he was such a, like... Maybe he's, I don't know, maybe he looked like Ray Liotta in his prime, but like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe like, but you know what? Like Ray Liotta looked like Ray Liotta in his prime. Like this, (laughs) this guy was like, I mean, first of all, he, he was so fucking drunk. And I remember like sometimes like Howard, like I remember Howard tried to lure him into like, he's like, he wanted to do a listener guest contest on where bodies were buried on the Long Island Expressway. <laughs> I'd just be scared to have him in the studio. I'd be like, uh, uh, a lot of people want you dead, and you're right next to me. <laughs> they all, yeah, but I, and no, but what was great it was like part, and I'm sure they were bullshit, but they, you know, they would totally get like the like, yeah, this is fucking Anthony from the neighborhood, and if he comes down here, you know, like, I, I, I mean. But I know I, I take your point. I mean, I, I don't again, I, th- I don't think we have to like say it's one thing to say, obviously, in terms of like your personal conduct, being willing to fucking chop somebody's body up is an es- yeah. is an escalation. <laughs> There's no doubt. Right. That's real. <laughs> and at the same time, no at the same time, like structurally speaking, uh, there's there's a fucking like. Uh, there's probably, I mean, the, actually the beef that I had with Wolf of Wall Street, because I was about to say structurally there's a bigger fallout from the crimes of finance. But the thing that's funny about Wolf of Wall Street, which I, I liked as a movie and I, I like I like Scorsese, but it was a little bit weird to me that or fucked up that until actually Big Short, which was decent, that like that was this big like, you know, here's the post-recession movie about Wall Street because the truth was, was like, these were just like nickel and dime assholes. Like the right, real yeah. guys are fucking Goldman Sachs, Morgan. Yeah. Like those are the people that crashed the global economy that like ran policy. Like these guys are, he's just a fucking like. They're you know, low level crooks. Yeah. It's just, in the scheme of Wall Street. In the scheme crimes. of Wall Street, that's in bullshit. The- like he went to that whole nickel and dime stock thing. It was like. That's all he ever was. It's just he in a room of more. It's the same reason that people say Paul Ryan's good looking. He sits. He's standing next to fucking corpses all the time. Compared to the, compared to those people, fucking Jordan Belfer was a genius. But in like the world of people who you know set international monetary policy or like you know give each other the fucking pr- taste of the LIBOR score before it's you know released or something like that. That is not like. That's someone who has a great MBA and, you know, is very tasteful and is, you know, probably personally robbing all of us right now. (laughs) (laughs) So Um, what does everybody think about the Scorsese, Joker, Leonardo DiCaprio movie? Oh, God. I mean. I feel bad for Todd Phillips. I worked with the guy. This is not the direction he wanted to go in. I guarantee it. To me, I. I mean, whatever. Maybe I guess maybe it could be good or something. But like, I just am like starting. I, I'm starting to feel like does Martin Scorsese is he like running out of money or something like that? I think like everybody's running out of money. It, it just feels like everyone is starting like all of a sudden these like great people are starting to do like commercials all the time. Yeah, like, Samuel Jackson for Capital One. There was some really weird like short you know I, I saw that was directed by Martin Scorsese and I think starring like De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio that was for like a hotel in it was, like Monaco. Yeah, it was like a Monaco hotel. That, yeah, like, and, and I'm like, why did these guys like why do you, what how much money is enough? And like, or are you are you just constantly running out of money when you're when you live a life like this? And you so you know you get uh, uh, thirty years into it and have to like be doing ads for Monaco hotels. Well, it I just was, is bizarre. I was so talking. that's how I feel about the Joker movie. Is it's like the ad for a Monaco hotel? 
that Martin Scorsese right. directed. Well, I mean, I was talking to one of my friends who worked at that hellhole CAA, and and uh, they were telling me she was telling me that like, look, I mean, celebrities aren't getting paid as much as they used to get paid on the big movies. So to supplement the income, they're doing commercials that they used to only do overseas. That's why it was like totally normal to be like, oh, look, here's like a we found a Nicolas Cage right. Japanese beer commercial. It's fucking wacky. But now, like, now you have, like, Jennifer Aniston doing, like, Emirati Airlines and Kobe Bryant doing, like, Turkish Airways. Like, the companies are getting kind of weirder. Yeah. And the celebrities are getting bigger. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, like, it's, just, it's all, like, it's all, it all, it all, these all feel like Saudi prince businesses all yeah, of a sudden. Yeah, they're, they're like, like, it's, like, some really, really, really rich people wanted, yeah. like, to play with their action figures or something. Yeah. And they just, like, all right, let's drop them in. Let's go to Bel Air and pick some up. It's very. It's like that guy in uh, that fucking, like. Persian arms dealer guy in Entourage was just like a preview. It was just like, hey, like well, uh, Beverly Hills. This is who you're all going to try to get your money from. Beverly Hills has dramatically, and Bel Air has dramatically transformed over the last few years because, like, of an uh, influx in, in in money from the Gulf Coast, and it's like there's a lot of like fighting going on between like rich people and really rich people, <laughs> and so like there's this house that they built in Bel Air that like everyone who lives in Bel Air calls the Starship Enterprise, and it's like this uh, it's like the dad of like this Sports Illustrated model named uh, Gigi Hadid. It's her dad who's like a zillionaire developer who like builds these palaces for war criminals in L.A. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, he like built this massive, massive house that just covers Bel Air. And so like Jennifer Aniston and all these like producers and all these people in Bel Air are just freaking the fuck out and they've been suing. There's been like, like this five-year ongoing lawsuit and the city keeps like ordering them to stop construction. They keep going. They pay a few 50000 thousand dollar fines the guy gets like a day of probation they keep building like they don't give a fuck about laws or code they have more money than god they can do whatever the fuck they want and now the rich people in la know how it fucking feels (laughs) you know what's weird about the gulf and i'm not like it's like in a world of of so much like speculation and i mean there there is obviously a tremendous amount of actual wealth and money in parts of the United States, but like you think of, you know, it's like all of the like advanced stages of the economy, like Silicon Valley and finance and technology and research and all of this stuff. And it's all so abstracted and speculative. And then, and, and then in some ways, like, you know, where serious, like actual money is being made is funnily enough in a lot of ways, still like things like Amazon, which for all of the like, futurism of it is just like you know conveniently getting you like fucking paper towels (laughs) making sure that you have toilet paper easily yeah 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 basically but the thing with with the gulf states is like they fucking like they're sitting on oil wells yeah and the world and it's just like it's real it's like we fucking everything runs on this shit it's what's destroying our planet and everything is dependent on it so you pay us and then we are just flush with actual fucking money and then we just go to manhattan or go to la or wherever and it's just like boom like you know here's 50 million dollars in cash like give me something no like in 10 years this will appreciate no like get on top of this app no like you know it's just all like yo oil money Done. Yeah, the money, <laughs> the money like takes on a whole different quality. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it's, it's literally that like money sprouted from the ground and bloomed into yes. just gigantic amounts. Um, yes. So, anyways, yes. that's what we're thinking about the Joker movie, everybody. No, I'm sorry. Leslie. I just want to say, like, I'm really offended on behalf of Jared Leto. Like, Jared Leto is my guy. That nothing but respect for my Joker. So, how dare uh, W? B try to make another Joker movie. Jared Lee. No, no. Wait, Leslie. Leslie, you thought he was good. I in think that? Jared Leto. Jared, Jared Leto is good in everything. Okay, he's from. <laughs> oh, he, he's okay. from Louisiana. He's my. I've met him. He's cool. He's my boy. Like I will not tolerate. You any, hung out with Jared Leto. I didn't, I didn't, wait, 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 wait. Go back a little bit. I didn't hang out with him, but like uh, he 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 was in the band Thirty Seconds Tomorrow, right? Which was is a really actually a pretty good band, at least their first couple of CDs. And he would always come to Baton Rouge and tour like and it was like these small venues so you could meet the guys after every show and like he was and i remember one time i got uh 
uh, the CD signed. And I said, uh, thank you very much. And he said, no, thank you, bro. And I will never forget that. And I will always defend Jared Leto because of that moment. Shit, shit, Matt. You know, we can't, we can't really... dump on Jared Leto on the show. Though, That's I what guess. I always say that if you're going to play the Joker, you got to get out there and press the flesh. Yeah. You got to go out there and meet the people. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure to get to get your support all rounded up. You know, to my, my honest actual appraisal of this uh, Joker movie is that. You know, it's got a bunch of weird people involved with it, and you know, it it, it seems on paper like this is going to be some big unique thing. I think it's going to be like cookie cutter garbage that has the names Martin Scorsese and Todd Phillips in the opening credits. I think this is going to just be another episode They're saying of television. Todd might direct it. Even if he does, yeah. I think that it's just going to be another episode of the superhero television show just- where every episode looks the same. Um, and, you know, I, I just wish they hadn't lost their way after Batman versus Superman, which was uh, a truly excellent film. Well, but they're keeping the universe. <laughs> they're developing the non-canon films. They're not completely dissolving the DC universe I yet. know they're not dissolving but it, they're, but, they're but going as far to. as tone and as far as, uh, uh, you know, storytelling, uh, Batman versus Superman was the gold standard. Don't at me. Man. <laughs> I, 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 Man. That's awesome. I. I will just say, because I'm fucking just unequipped for this shit, because I have no <laughs> but, but I'll say that those and this this is this is part of their play. And it won't work because I don't go to the movies anymore. Aww. But but I I don't I don't know, man. It's just too much. I don't ass. really go that often either. But I want to, I just don't yeah. No. Yeah. Movie no, theaters I in New York are different too. Like they're not. Like they're really nice out here in L.A. Like in New York, they're always like in a basement and feel grimy. Like yeah, everything in New like York. In, I guess. Like in New York, I still have a little bit of like a like I'm always like lowering myself onto like bed bugs when I go to movie theaters. <laughs> but like, but like, I just I, I. But I would say that like I, this movie would not even cross my radar, but because of a Scorsese association right. and because I like Leo, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll do something a little bit more interesting with that. Because I actually – I'm somebody who, you know, I'm not – like I'm not a comic book reader or, some, or anything, but I've liked a lot of comic – well, maybe not a lot of comic, but I've liked some comic book movies and I've definitely seen that in the right hands or even some of the Netflix series. Like I think Jessica Jones is cool. I think, you know, Black Panther's all right. You know, I mean, I, I don't like love these things, but I've definitely been like yeah. not thought I would be interested. I'm right. the Marvel but sympathizer in the group here. <laughs> I'm the, the only one who like, and I haven't, I, uh, Jack and Elle. No, I like those shows. I like those. They're shows. the DC ones here. It's it's a tough balance. <laughs> all right, guys, will you get real fucking remedial with me? Like who, give me one leading uh hero from dc and one leading one from marvel all right batman is dc iron man is marvel okay so who do i like better wow you like warner brothers or disney better (laughs) oh well obviously i like uh well no (laughs) it starts to get hard doesn't it yeah i was gonna say because then i have to like now you're understanding the complexities of nerdhood (laughs) yeah yeah it got got weirder See, you know what the great thing about hip hop nerdism is you could still bring it's like all of the actual tendencies of like, well, actually, but you can still just like fucking apply your same like hostility levels to it in a basic just like Nas is better. Jay-Z's a bitch. I don't care how much like I don't care how much money he makes. Like Nas at his best is better. Jay looks like a cam cannibal. That, Either exactly fuck how, out of here. That's exactly <laughs> how I talk about Batman and Iron Man. <laughs> like yeah, Iron Man is much. whack. Fuck Iron Man. Get the fuck out of here, Spider Man. The new the new little young Spider Man. Oh wait, wait, wait. When is which one is Spider Man? <laughs> which one is Spider Man? Which one is Spider Man? Because it's Mike. What are you yes. talking about? Is Spider is Spider? I thought New Yorkers Spider- are supposed to love Spider Man. Yeah, he's the man. Dude. He's a Queens boy. He's got, he's got the Spider mask on. I don't know. No, is Spider Man DC or Marvel? Oh, Marvel, oh, Marvel, Marvel. Marvel. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, it's actually no, complicated because the oh. the film rights are owned by Sony, uh, yeah. uh, but you know there's oh. now a licensing deal between. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> sorry, sorry, yeah. I, I passed out on myself there. You have no, to understand Sp- the nature of these cinematic universes. <laughs> no, Spider Spider Man is not like Spider Man's too much. Like I like I feel like Spider Man would like be some like fucking guy like getting coffee in front of me 
in Brooklyn, and I would just be like, "Fuck you, man." Yeah. Like, like so maybe maybe I'm going with actually have maybe I'm going with DC. Like, like, yeah, like, like, like he, oh really? Oh wow, I can write. Yeah. He, I was just like, I don't even have time for this. And it's like, <laughs> like it's a rub. Like, and Bat, you know, but Batman is like kind of a surly fascist. Like, I don't know. Oh, Batman for sure. Yeah, you gotta listen to yeah. episode one. We talk all about it. Yeah, Batman is just a rich guy who uh, decided to take upon himself to kick the shit out of homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Batman is like what Rudy Giuliani would be if he had, was fit and had like social phobias. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so so much michael this was a fucking yeah. blast yeah i oh, think that, guys, I, don't think it, awesome. I don't think it goes beyond um imagining what rudy giuliani would be like as batman so we should probably call it there uh, he, he probably he he probably imagines it every oh. day yeah so go ahead there's uh, one thing i did kind of i i know you're friends with him so i'm just wondering if maybe um Hotep Obama might, you know, be hanging out. Oh, <laughs> uh, is he yeah. around? It's uh, it's it's actually uh, Nation of Islam. I, I, I prefer Hotep. I prefer uh, Hotep. Yeah. Hotep. Hotep Obama. It's like, uh, uh, I'll, I'll. I think he wants to speak specifically okay. to Leslie. Oh wow! Okay. All right, uh, 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 young brother. <laughs> the problem is you don't know your true nature. In Ghana, see, in Ghana, we had rocket ships. We had an iPhone before a white man invented, quote, unquote, the iPhone. So what I'm asking you, young brothers, you sit with these devils. And you argue about which fake universe created by which Yakubian piece of pig swine is better than the other <laughs> when in your true nature you're that original black man of Africa see it pains me it pains me young brother because you don't know your true nature <laughs> as far as I'm concerned see see I like that devil Trump he doesn't hide who he is he doesn't pretend to be our friend He's pure Yakubian swine. <laughs> and that's what they all are. Even the people you think are your friends. So young brother, remember that you come from linen and silk. Africa. Pyramids. We invented the internet while they were inbreeding in caves. <laughs> Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar. <laughs> Wow. What an honor. What an honor to be visited. Uh, wow. Thank, thank um, you so much, Michael. Well, that's, uh, that's really funny. Hey, guys, this is a blast, and I hope that we can all, like, you know, follow up on everything and, uh, you know, start following each other on Twitter and all that shit. And I really yeah. would like to figure out a way to um, cycle all three of you through the Michael Brooks show because oh, I really that, like oh, what you guys awesome. are doing. Be great. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. Yeah, Thanks, I man. think I, I really – no, you guys are awesome. You're hilarious and smart and uh, and you're you're filling in a lot of clearly really super critical gaps in my fucking uh, knowledge base. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good talking to you. Yeah, yeah this, this is really, really this a, lot a of great, fun. great episode. And uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time, man. Right, I really appreciate it. everyone. Uh, anytime, guys. Anytime, and don't, guys, and don't close. Wait, the, don't close the window yet. Don't, don't close the so window. Let, let Leslie Ooh, don't stop worry. the recording. Don't right. worry. Okay. <laughs> not, not touching right. anything. All right. Thank you, very, thank you very much for everyone for listening to Stroke Session. Have a good night. Yeah, see you next week or whenever. It's not <laughs> night necessarily. <laughs>
Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.